This has been the longest three weeks of my life. He's gonna see us today, babe. I can, I can feel it. We got through to him. Mr. and Mrs. Pearson, you've been moved to another judge. What? Judge Bradley recused himself from your case. I'll show you where you'll be. Accused? Is that a good or a bad thing? And who do we have here? Well, we usually just call them one, two, and three. <laughs> so well behaved. Oh, give them time. <laughs> okay. If you don't mind raising your right hand. Okay, one hand will do. Uh, to affirm that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Yes. We do. You wish to adopt this child as your legally adopted son? We do. We do. And what name shall this child be known? Um, Randall Kenneth Pearson. You have done the hard work. You've chosen to love. I, on the other hand, have the pleasure of signing it into law. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. Welcome to Liquid Church, everybody. Good morning. My name is John. I'm actually the campus pastor at our Somerset County campus. So glad you guys are all here with us this morning. But we are one church meeting in six different locations. Can we welcome all of our other campuses and those joining online this morning? Well, I am honored to be here with you guys all this morning. Glad you could join us for our final week of This Is Us. And if you are new to Liquid Church, we've spent the last four weeks digging into the hit TV show, This Is Us, pulling out biblical truths on issues that affect really all of us, that all of us can relate to. We've talked about family issues. We've talked about fatherhood, relationships. And last week, we talked about addiction. But today, I'm going to be talking to you guys about something that is near and dear to my heart, which is adoption. And a message that I'm titling, Adopted by God. Now, I got to just kind of say this right up front, that before we started the series, I had never seen the show, This Is Us. Never. My wife, Carrie, she watches it every single week, and she's always like, John, John, would you just watch the show with me? You know, we could have this in common. And I'm like, honey, I have so much emotion in my life that when I get home, I just don't want to cry at a TV show. But we're doing the series here at church, and I'm preaching here today. And so I'm like, you know what? I, sh I should probably watch the show at, at least a couple times. So I started binge-watching. And guess what I found out? I was right. <laughs> because the very first week, I'm watching the show, and I'm just starting to cry. <laughs> like ugly cry stuff, you know, like snot bubbles coming out my nose and whatnot. But guys, it is a really good show, and there's so many different storylines that so many of us can relate to, right? Uh, so let's go ahead and meet the Pearson family right now. We've got Jack and Rebecca, and they've got three kids, although not necessarily as you might have expected. You see, Rebecca was pregnant, and when she went into labor, she had Kevin, she had Kate, but the third child died during birth. But watch this. What they didn't know was that at the same time, Randall, his biological father, was abandoning him on the footsteps of the local fire station. And when Jack saw him in the hospital, he knew right in that moment that this was the completion to the triplet set that he was supposed to have. Uh, but guys, come to terms with all the realities of becoming one family. It can be challenging, right? Like as an adopted child, you don't always know where you come from, and therefore you struggle with who you are. But even as an adoptive family, 
Sometimes that can be a challenge as well. There's this one really honest scene where Rebecca, the mom, you know, she just admits that sometimes he feels like a stranger as she's trying to breastfeed Randall. But then as they get older, all the kids are so very different. You know, Kevin, you know, he's good looking. I mean, look at that guy, right? He's this good looking actor, super successful. But as a child and even into adulthood, he's always jealous of Randall because he feels like his mom just loved him so much more because he's adopted. Kate, she's obese, and she has always struggled with her weight her entire life. And then there's Randall, and Randall is brilliant. But he always struggled with identity issues and abandonment issues, right? As a child, all he ever wanted was for the love and affection of his brother Kevin to be given to him, be shown to him, and it never, ever was. And as the only black child in the family, Randall could often be seen walking around with a notepad. And every time that he saw an adult black male, he'd put a little check mark in that notepad, wondering, could that be my biological father? Jack, however, he was a tremendous father. He loved and cared for Randall. He did everything that he possibly could to make Randall feel welcomed into his family. But Randall still always struggled with this question, this nagging question of, who am I? And for 36 years, he tried so hard to prove that he was something. And maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you've spent the majority of your life trying to prove that you are something. And so that's why this morning I want to talk about what it looks like to go from abandoned to adopted by God. And there's this power, powerful passage in the book of Ephesians that I want to use this morning, Ephesians 1, uh, verses 3 through 5, that really unpack this idea of being adopted by God. The letter was written around 60 AD by the Apostle Paul to the Christians living in the city of Ephesus. And Paul opens up with these majestic words. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. And even before he made the world, God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him, say it aloud church, great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. So according to Paul, who is God and what did he do? He's your father, and he loves you. And before the beginning of time, he chose you. He says, I choose you, and I choose you, and I choose you to be my son, to be my daughter. I'm adopting you into my family. We are united through Jesus Christ, and I see you without blemish, without fault. That's what I see. And he did this, and it gave him great pleasure. Did you know that? Did you know that you are a source of pleasure for God. I think most of us can probably come to terms with the idea that God loves us, right? The Bible tells us that God is love, but did you know that he likes you? That he actually wants to spend time with you? And that's what adoption is all about, guys. That's what it means to be adopted by God. But we can have a hard time understanding this. Because oftentimes, our concept 
of God's love and God's affection for us is tied to what happened to us when we were children. The love or the lack of love that we received growing up. And it's really hard to even relate to this idea of adoption in modern culture. So we're going to go back in time today. We're going to go back to Roman times, the first century culture when the book of Ephesians was written. So let's take a trip. Let's go back to Ephesus for just a moment. And if you visit modern-day Turkey, you can actually visit these beautiful ruins of the city of Ephesus. Check that out. I mean, who wouldn't want to go and, and see that, right, in real life? That is a bucket list item, honey. But guys, Ephesus was a thriving megacity in Asia Minor, right? It was home to the Temple of Artemis, which was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was on the coast, it was a seaport, and it was widely considered the commercial hub in Asia Minor, right? And it was deeply influenced by Greek culture. Specifically, Alexander the Great brought this philosophy of Hellenism to the city, to the culture. And that emphasizes the perfection of the human body. And you can see it all throughout Greek art forms and sculptures and statues, uh, like this, this Scobulus right here. It's a statue. And I just want to hit pause for just one moment here. One of the things that I love the most about Pastor Tim is that he will often say that I'll do anything short of sinning to reach people for Jesus Christ. So this morning, I would like to thank Pastor Tim for modeling this for us. I mean, the guy is jacked, right? <laughs> but seriously, this is Ephesian culture, right? Uh, I mean, just look, he's got like a 20-pack. I've got, well, maybe one pack. You know, he's all ripped, and he's you know, posing like a Greek god. And that was Ephesian culture. That was the ideal. That's what Greek culture emphasized. Life was about perfection, both physically as well as intellectually, perfecting the human form. Uh, and so from early on, children were trained that way. They often didn't attend schools. They went to the gymnasium where they were trained physically. They were trained to compete, but they were also trained in music and math and philosophy. Uh, and the elite, the best of the children, they would get to go and compete in the theater of Ephesus. Check that out, right? The whole city would come to watch these kids perform and compete with one another. Over 26,000 people would come. That's larger than Madison Square Garden is today. And so the Ephesians, they loved their athletes and loved their Olympic heroes because they represented the best and the brightest of Ephesian culture. So understand, that's the culture that we're talking about. It's all about perfection, perfecting of the mind, perfection of the body. And so there was no tolerance in Ephesus for weakness, no tolerance for a child who was less than or lacking in any way. So if you are an Ephesian father or mother and you're pregnant with a child, you are praying for the perfect child, which meant three things. That baby better be healthy, better be strong, and it better be a male. Because girls of that day were often considered a liability. They couldn't pass on the father's last name, and they actually cost money out of the inheritance in the form of a dowry. So guys, there was no tolerance for weak babies. Babies born with deformities or any kind of disability. And this created a culture where babies were abandoned. It was actually legal to abandon your baby back in the day. I mean, think about that. That's crazy. Let me show you what that looked like. So when an Ephesian father and mother would give birth to a baby, the nurses would take the baby from the, from the mother, and they would present the baby to the father so that he could either approve or reject it. They would place it right in front of him, and he would come, and he'd kind of take a sneak peek. He'd look under the blanket and look and look, and if he liked what he saw, 
If he thought this was the perfect child, he would grab the baby up, he'd turn, and he would walk home, taking this baby as his own. But if it didn't work out that way, if he looks at this baby and sees any kind of perfection at all, maybe a a blemish of some sort or whatever, uh, just didn't look right, he would stand up, he would turn, and he would walk away. Abandoning his child for all of eternity. What would happen next is that slaves or family servants would come and they'd scoop up the baby and they'd take the baby out to just outside the city gates to a horrific place that they would call the baby dump. Which was basically a trash heap outside the city where they would throw the garbage away. And it was perfectly commonplace in that culture for an unwanted baby to be left out in the cold, exposed to death by exposure. Perfectly legal and it was perfectly normal. The baby would be left outside in the elements, the cold of night, where they would freeze to death with hypothermia. Or the hot sun of the day where they would ultimately die from heat exposure, starvation, dehydration, or worse, the baby dump. It was also a feeding ground for wild animals. You guys, understand, the father, he could do this for any reason at all. If he, if he takes his baby up and it's a girl, in the baby dump, out with the trash. If he sees any kind of blemish whatsoever, any kind of a birthmark in the trash, out of the baby dump. If he was born premature or looked a little weak or a little bit scrawny or maybe, just maybe, the baby is the wrong color. He had every right to throw the baby away out with the trash. That's Ephesus. And to our modern minds, it's unimaginable. We can't think of it. That is horrific. It is barbaric. But guys, that was completely commonplace back in that day. And it was into that culture that a traveling preacher named Paul walked right by the city gates, right by the baby dump, And he declares this good news. He says, the true and living God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, out of great love and out of his grace, has adopted you. Think about what that would mean to the Ephesians. Let's read right here. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 4. He says, even before the world was made, God loved you and he chose you in Christ be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt you into his own family, bringing you to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him what? Great pleasure. So to all those people who were ejected, who were abandoned, who were broken away, treated as garbage, Paul comes to me and says, I've got good news. God is not Greek. He is your loving father who picked you up out of the trash 
and calls you his treasure. He says, you're no longer abandoned. You are adopted into my family. And what the world has thrown away, I call my treasure. I look at you and you, you are my son. You are my, are my daughter. And the Ephesians were stunned. They had never heard such news delivered before. It was completely countercultural back in that day. So do you understand what Paul was saying to the Ephesians? He says that you're not defined by who threw you out. You're defined by who took you in. You're not defined by who threw you out, but by who took you in. So if you were abandoned by your father and mother, God is telling us that we've got hope. We have a future. Because your heavenly father came and he pulled you out of the trash. And he says, you are mine. You are in my family from now on. From now until forever. You are my son. You are my daughter. And so as a Christian, guys, your identity is not defined by who threw you out, but by who took you in. And God doesn't make any garbage. You see, every single person in this room, whether you think you are tall or skinny, or fat, or thin, short, weak, strong. If you've got special needs, God says that you are created in his image, and he doesn't make any garbage. Amen? Amen. Guys, he takes us from the trash, and he says, no, you are my treasured child, and I'm going to call you son, and I'm going to call you daughter. You're not defined by who threw you out, but by who took you in. And guys, for the people of Ephesus, this hit them straight in the heart. And I am praying this morning that it hits you in the heart right now. One of the scenes in This Is Us that hit me right in the heart is where Randall struggles because he is adopted. He doesn't look like his brother. He doesn't look like his sister. And he always wonders, does my dad really love me? And so Jack takes Randall to work one day. And this is what they talk about. Hello, Pearson Corporation. Would you like to discuss the big deal? Well, I'm too busy. You have to call back. You love coming to work with Dad, huh? I wanted you here because I need your help with something. Come here. What's that? That is a house the company's working on. Cool. Yeah. You see, uh... You see, I don't know how many feet of two-by-four I'm going to need for this wall right here. You see how, how, each, how each inch is, is three feet? Twenty-two and a half feet. Wow. That's pretty cool, buddy. I didn't know you are so good with numbers. Wait, wait, wait. Come here. What about this wall? Right here. How many, how many do I need for that? I don't know that one. You knew how to do it a second ago, now you don't? I don't know it, Dad. I think you do. I don't. Randall, that's enough, come here. I don't want to. Look, this wall, right here. How much do I need? I don't Tell me the answer. Know. I don't know. How many feet, tell me right now. I don't know. Randall, tell me the answer. What's that? 
That's right. Why are you pretending not to know this stuff, huh? Getting B's in math, not letting people see how smart you are. I don't want to be different from them. Different from who? who? The kids at school? If, if I get an A, I'll get ice cream and Kate and Kevin won't. And then they'll hate me. Can I be honest with you, man to man? You know, your mom and me, we always try to treat you kids the same. Always have. Hasn't always worked because, well, you're not all the same. You're adopted and we don't talk about that enough. Because to me, you are every part my son. Maybe I, I don't want you to feel like you stand out. But I need you to know something. I want you to stand out. I want all of you to be as different as you can possibly be in all the best ways. I love you as much as a human heart can, kiddo. You are an exceptional young man. So don't let your dad's poor choices make you feel afraid be different, okay? Okay. I love that scene. I remember watching it for the first time and Randall's crying and I'm crying. I think many of you out there are crying right now. But it's such a powerful moment where Jack, the father, takes Randall's head into his hand and says, even though you're adopted, you are every part my son, and I love you as much as a human heart can. And I just remember thinking, man, Jack is a good dad. He's a good father, and in many ways, he actually puts me to shame, right? Like, I wish that I would say things like that to my son or my daughters. But understand something, guys. Jack is just a man, so his heart is finite, which means that there is a ceiling, there is a capacity to how much he can love his children. But our Father in heaven, his heart is infinite. There is no limit to how much he can love us as his children. So what does that mean? It means that nothing you can ever do in this life can make God love you any less. But it also means that there's nothing you can ever do in this life to make God love you anymore. He loves you right now, right in this moment, as much as an all-powerful, infinite God possibly can. He says that you are every part my son. You are every part my daughter. And that will never change because I am your Father in heaven. So guys, it takes the pressure off. There's nothing that you ever have to do to prove yourself to God. He loves you right now in this moment as much as he possibly can. Do you understand that? You are a child of the Most High God. You are his treasured son and his cherished daughter. What would that have meant to the Ephesians? I'm wondering, what does that mean for you here this morning? Let me tell you what it meant for me. 
You see, in 2009, uh, my wife Carrie, my beautiful wife Carrie, she feels this calling to adopt a child. And um, we had been married just about 11 years at the time, and it started off with this kind of a gentle nudge on her heart, but very quickly it grew into something much, much more, and she couldn't turn it off. And so I'll never forget the moment when she told this to me. It's early spring, and I'm sitting in our family room, and I'm watching the Yankees, right? We got A-Rod that year. You know what I'm saying, guys, right? And so I'm sitting there, I'm watching the game. You know, I'm excited, right? New season, fresh beginnings for my, for my team. And Carrie walks in the room and says, hey, John, can I, can, I, can I talk to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, we can talk, sure, sure, sure. Um, honey, I, 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 feel like, I feel like God's calling us to do more. Like, we've been blessed with so very much in our life, and I, I feel like he's calling us to do more. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. We'll definitely do more, for sure. You know, we'll give more. We'll, we'll do whatever. Honey, I, I feel like we're being called to adopt a child. Uh, uh, come again? <laughs> what, what was that last one? <laughs> I feel like we're being called to adopt a boy. So then I look at my bride, and in the most pastoral way that I possibly can, I say, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Sweetheart, we've got three beautiful little girls already. I mean, look at that. I'm thinking we got the perfect little family right here. Sweetie, I've already come to terms with the fact that we don't have, you know, the whole boy thing. And I love our family. I am really happy. I am really content right now. And seriously, how can we afford another child? How can we afford to, to feed them and put clothes on their back? How can we, you know, where are they going to sleep? We're, babe, we're going to need a new car. We got college coming up. We can't afford a new child. But also, how, how could we ever love a child who was not born to us like we love these three girls? Like, is, is, that, even, is that even possible? And so I started processing in my heart, deep down inside, and I was praying and praying. And guys, I, I wish that I could be here this morning and tell you that it happened overnight or even happened in just a couple of days. But it took a long time. It was months and months and months of praying and processing before I finally had a defining moment where I just realized that if, if my wife whom I love more than anything in this world, is being unmistakably called by God to adopt a child, then who am I to get in the way? So right then and there, I started to pray differently. And God began to soften my heart. And what I felt God was telling me was that he doesn't have to place in me the love for another child. What he was doing was deepening my love for my wife. And one way that I can love her better is to share in God's dream with her. And you know what? Everything changed right then and there. So we began the process of fostering to adopt a child. And we obviously wanted a boy. We have three beautiful girls already, so we're like, we want a boy. And we think he should be about three to four years of age. But one thing we knew right away, we knew early on, was that 
if God is calling us to do this, then he's going to provide the child that we need for our family. And so we just decided that if God's calling us to do this, we can't cherry pick at the end and try to create this perfect scenario. So we believe that we needed to say yes every single time. So we get our first call, September of 2010. I'll never forget, I'm driving, I'm working. Carrie calls me, I pull over. What's up, babe? They called, there's a boy, he's coming today. I'm like, yes, let's do this, we're in, we're in. But the boy never came. We get a second call, no child. We get a third call, no child. Fourth, fifth, sixth, we said yes to 12 different children and never received a child. So you can imagine at this point in time, we're starting to wonder like, did we miss something? <laughs> Are we ever going to have a child come into our home? Did we misunderstand God's will, his calling on our lives? But guys, I believe that when God gives you a calling, he's going to give you a confirmation. And so on October 18th, 2010, we got the call that would change our lives forever. Mrs. Cords, we found you a boy. And this time, I promise you, he's going to come. <laughs> His name is Malachi, and he's seven years old, so he's a little older. But he's such a sweetheart. He's such a sweet kid. Will you, will you take him? Yes! Yes, 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 yes! This is what we've been preparing for and planning for. We are ready to roll. So we said yes, and we're celebrating. Mrs. Cords, there's one catch. He comes with twin sisters. <laughs> and they need a home too. So you got to take all three. Actually, no, Mrs. Cords, you don't have to take all three. Uh, but if you say no, understand, we're going to have to split these kids up because it's really difficult to place a sibling group into a new home. <laughs> oh, snap! What is happening here? At this point in time, I feel like my head's about to explode, right? Like, God, this is not what we asked for. When I planned this, this is not what it looked like. But Karen and I looked at each other, and we both knew right away what God was calling us to do. We said, if God is calling us to adopt a child, who are we to cherry pick at the end and try to create this perfect scenario? So we said yes. And we have Malachi, Ariana, and Ion Accords. <clears throat> And let me just tell you guys, these three kids mean the world to me. They have changed our lives forever. But when we said yes, we were excited. But guys, you have to understand something. Adoption is messy. So let me explain to you how they ended up coming into our, our home. So we get the call on Monday, October 18th, but right before that, their previous foster mom calls Dyfus and says, you got to get these kids out of here. I need them out by Wednesday. So Wednesday morning comes. She gets the kids up, puts them on the school bus, closes the door, goes back in the house, and she gets a garbage bag, goes into their room, and starts throwing all their belongings into this bag. 
All of it, every single piece. She picks up the bag, seals it up, opens the front door, and that was it. No goodbyes, no nothing. So Dyfus comes and they, they get the garbage bag and they go get the kids at school, get them checked out, and then brings them to our home. And I'll never forget that moment for as long as I live. The minivan pulls into our driveway, and out of the minivan are three beautiful little kids who are crying because they have no idea where they are or what's about to happen to them. You can understand what they were feeling. And right then and there, Sadie and Lane, my two oldest biological kids, right there, they run to the van arms wide open to greet their new brother and their new sisters into their new family. Guys, I told you, adoption, it's messy, but it is beautiful. It's messy, but it is beautiful. So right then and there, we went from Chords Clan Party of Five to Chords Clan Party of Eight. We went from three kids, big three, to big six. And the footprint of our family changed literally overnight. But guys, don't miss this. You have to understand. Malachi, Ariana, and Ayana, they came into our family, and they completed the family that God had created us to be. Because that's what adoption does. It changes your family into the family that God created you to be. It changes everything. And Paul goes on and expands on this idea in the book of Galatians when he says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And that is a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted heir in Roman culture. And guys, this is super cool because in Roman culture, when you were adopted, you were adopted for life. You could never be abandoned again, ever. And so it's actually a cool thing. Uh, the adoption process looked very different back then, right? So the, the father, when he wanted to adopt the child, he actually had to buy the child back. Because remember, the children were sold into slavery and into prostitution. So if a dad wanted to adopt a child, he had to buy them out of slavery to redeem them into his own family. But guys, that is what Jesus Christ did for us. He paid our debts on the cross, shedding his blood, giving us a new family name with all the rights, privileges, and protection of our Father. And guys, one of the greatest moments of my entire life was our adoption day. It took about two and a half years to get there, from the day that they came into our home. And the entire time, Carrie and I just felt like, like we had this cloud just kind of hanging above our heads. It was a long and hard process. And quite frankly, there were as many days as we believed the kids were going to be taken from us as we felt the kids were going to be staying with us forever. But on February 28th, 2013, we walked into the New Brunswick courthouse. We placed our hands on the Bible, 
onto the book of Ephesians that we're reading right here, right now this morning. And do you know what the judge said to us? She said, it's as if they were born to you. Think about that. It's as if they were born to you. Guys, those three kids were born again in that moment. They were given a new father who promises to love them and care for them and protect them for the rest of their lives. And that is what a picture of Christian adoption looks like. Under Roman culture, when you were adopted, you could never be disowned again. And when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are also born again. Nothing can ever change that. No matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, He will always love you. God will always be your Father, and Jesus will always be your brother. You are welcomed into His family forever. His forever family. That's what adoption is. That's what it does. And that's when I realized the privilege and the responsibility that I have to now raise these kids. And there's one final scene in This Is Us where Jack also realizes the responsibility that he has to raise Randall into a man. Let's check this out. What are we here to build, boys? Body, spirit, community. The three pillars. Now, before we begin, we have a new member to initiate today. Randall. Come over here. Fathers. Randall, how old are you, son? Nine. Nine years old. Fine age. Do you think you have a good life? Yeah, I think so. Good. Good. I hope you always have a good life. But as you get older, you might start to find that things get harder. Jack, your back was built to carry your son through life. Are you willing to hold him up no matter what comes his way? Yes. Show Good. Now keep going. Are you willing to raise this young boy into a strong man? Yes, sir. Are you willing to push him to be the best man in the world he can be? Yes. That's powerful. But that's just a glimpse of what a, what a father's heart looks like. You see, guys, there is nothing that I wouldn't do for any one of my kids. And I have six kids that were born to me. Three biologically, but three were born again with a new father. And I give my heart and my soul to all of these kids. I would die for them if I had to. And you need to understand something here. When I look at my son Malachi, all I see is my son. And when I look at Ariana and Ayana, I only see my daughters. And guys, I, I am an imperfect man. So how much more Does our perfect Father in heaven love you? He chose you. He chose you. Before the beginning of time, He chose you to be adopted into His family. Do you understand what that means? 
We have an all-powerful God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, but he is also our Abba, our Daddy, and he loves you more than you will ever understand in your entire life. And guys, for the Ephesians, being adopted was a game changer because you went from slave to son. You went from the trash to treasure. And the Christians living in Ephesus, they went back to the baby dump at night, but not to sell their kids into slavery or prostitution. They went to adopt them into their family, to redeem them. They said, I am created in the image of God, but so is this child. And what the world calls disabled or deformed, I simply call my son. And I'm going to go back to the baby dump, and I'm going to get his twin sisters. And I'm going to adopt them too, because they are also created in the image of God. And I want all of my children to know that they are not defined by who threw them out, but by who took them in. They're not defined by the trash heap, by who threw them out. They're defined by who took them in. And that's adoption. That's what it looks like. And it is one of the most beautiful, most powerful images of the Christian life that we have. Amen? So guys, yeah, praise God. So as we conclude today's service, I want to speak to two different groups here this morning. Because I believe that some of you have been feeling this gentle nudge towards adoption. Some of you for some time now, and and you haven't known what to do with it. But some of you right now here this morning, you're starting to feel something. Maybe you are a couple and you just feel like you're out of sync. Like one of you wants to do it and one of you doesn't. And guys, I've been there. That was Carrie and I. But what the Holy Spirit has been whispering in your heart, I'm here to affirm in public that you can do this, that there's nothing more beautiful that you will ever do in your entire life than to open up your family to a child who needs you. There is no better picture of what the kingdom of God looks like to what heaven is going to look like than a family who has adopted a child. We are adopted. He chose us to be a part of his family. So if you're feeling that this morning, I want to encourage you. You can do this. I did it. So can you. And God will move mountains on your behalf to get you through it. So I want to pray for you this morning. But I also believe that there are people here this morning who you've grown up with a sense of abandonment and rejection. Whatever your life circumstances, maybe your family walked out on you. Maybe you were adopted and it didn't work out so well. And so you've spent your entire life struggling trying so hard to prove that you are something. But today you're realizing that you have a Father in heaven, a perfect Father in heaven, who loves you and who chose you before the beginning of time to adopt you into his family. And today, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. So let's pray. We're going to pray right now. Everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. I don't want to speak to that second group first. If that's you here this morning, if you have always struggled with this sense of identity and abandonment, 
And something inside of you this morning is ringing true. That you understand for the first time that your Father in Heaven, your Daddy in Heaven loves you. That before you did anything, He chose you to call His son, to call His daughter. So if you are ready to receive adoption into Christ, adoption into His family, all you need to do is pray after me. Father God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that without you, I am broken. I am nothing. So God, I acknowledge that I need you to fill me this morning. I want to be adopted into your family. I believe this morning that Jesus Christ came to this earth, that he died on the cross, but then he rose again so that I could be free. And because he did that, I am now adopted into his family. So right now I commit to following you with my whole heart and for the rest of my life. I am now a child of God adopted into your forever family. In Jesus' name. But for the rest of you this morning, if you have been feeling that gentle tugging on your heart, maybe even now it's, it's a pounding that's right there. I want to pray for you this morning. So God, would you just come in? Would your Holy Spirit just flood this place, Lord Jesus? Would you speak to all the hearts in this room under the sound of my voice? Would you let them know that it's going to be okay? Would you let them know that they have strength in you, God? Would you let them know that they are adopted into your family? And because of that, they can adopt a child who needs it to theirs. Father God, I ask you just to open the floodgates of our hearts. God, lead us, direct us. We commit all of this to you. I thank you, Jesus, for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name that all God's people said, Amen.